All right, everybody, download the Domino's app, order some pizza, go get yourself some of those shaker fries and a shamrock shake, because Banter Banter is back with another episode. Mine's being delivered without a driver. (gasps) Yeah, they have been trying those driverless delivery vehicles, and of course, people are concerned. Concerned? No, I feel like this is a brilliant moment. Without somebody handling my pizza in the vehicle, it's less likely that they're going to leave burnt fingertips on my pizza because they tried to eat it and touch it while it was piping hot. But who will protect you from the Noid? That's what the Hamburglar's for. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not sure if you're subscribed to Banter Banter or if you've listened to the last episode, but it did have, aside from its villain-centric focus, a bit of a side path that we took that involved a lot of fast food icons. And as Mike pointed out, there is no lack of attempts at innovation, and coincidentally, fast food companies are no strangers to messing it up or just weird things happening. Unintentional marketing failures and the generic scammers, because it doesn't matter what industry you are in, there's always somebody trying to get some free cash off you. So, let's dip into that news and find out some of the weird stuff that some of these companies have been up to. Well, you know, I wiggled my toe in that water, and a fish bit my toe. And when I say fish, I feel like I mean a rat. Oh, ratfink? Yes, actually. Ratfink was over in Austria at some point in popularity. As it turns out, Ratfink may have lost his passport and couldn't make it back. That's what he gets for not taking his passport with him. Silly Ratfink. You should know better. You were born in the 60s. So luckily, this happened recently. And after May 14th of 2019, it seems that employees at McDonald's have been trained to help assist American travelers with the problems that people traveling abroad might run into. This includes helping them in situations where they have lost their passport or maybe where they may be lost and not sure where to go in times of need. Hi America, if you didn't know, the rest of the world sees you as McDonald's. Your embassy is McDonald's. Go to your local McDonald's to get your embassy pass. All I've got to say is that I hope that McDonald's employees in Austria get paid a lot more if they have to be also able to help random customers with their foreign visitor troubles. If they do, I will ensure that my dollar votes appropriately by spending my money at that McDonald's in Austria when I go visit. Because that's valuable safety help for a specific nation. And I am a little disappointed that they chose McDonald's as the conveyor of this moment. But at the same time, the fact that there's a company that is a private company inside this country providing the opportunity for an additional safety net location for foreigners to get assistance. That's kind of nice. 
like you said, when they were setting this up, they were probably thinking, what's the most American thing we can think of? Obesity. It was either going to be that or Walmart. And I'm not sure Austria-Hungary has Walmart. I don't think Walmart fits into their social structure. They've got smart people. And Walmart requires not smart people. Have you seen the Walmartians? No, I haven't. Clearly, they're Martians. Or else we wouldn't call them Walmartians. Hopefully Ratfink will be able to find his nearest McDonald's. Otherwise, he might be in some hot water. Or some hot oil. As you were trying to allude to at the beginning. It might be some hot, hot oil. It's great for exfoliating. One of the other bits of news involved Kentucky Fried Chicken and a man who claimed to have found a rat along with his order of chicken tendies. This took place a while back. This got resolved somewhere around 2015, but who apparently ordered a three-piece chicken tender meal from his KFC in California was treated to a weird surprise after he took a bite and noticed it was particularly rubbery. I guess he's never eaten at KFC before. First, his mistake was ordering chicken tendies from a regular fried chicken bone-inside company. So he posted pictures of the fast food famous chicken tender, basically trying to pass forth the idea that has to be some sort of a fried rodent or a crisp rat. So you're saying the... Main character of the most recent Jurassic Park movies got deep fried in the early 2000s and fed to a man. It was a Chris Pratt. I mean, maybe he finally just got done guarding the galaxy and uh, <laughs> just threw in the towel and was like, nope, just throw me in that fryer. So he posted these pictures up on social media and as per usual the internet went wild with it especially back then representatives from KFC offered to have the chicken taken to an independent third party lab to be examined and figured out the guy refused to but after a while obviously a lawsuit cannot fulfill itself if he is not willing to show and prove the evidence so years later they do a DNA test on this alleged rat. Years later. Ooh, DNA changes over years. I mean, decay and genetic mutations because it was a deep fried rat, Fink. <laughs> it's clearly no longer a rat. Now it's a finger. You never know how many times he microwaved it and ate on it. <sighs> that microwave radiation, it could have incredible Hulk powers. He kept nibbling on it like a rat, so he was like... Really, you're just passing rat DNA by nibbling on it like that. Sir, that's not fair. But they did go ahead and have the piece of meat DNA tested and found it to have more in common with chicken than with rat. Having looked at the images, I can understand via the shape and generic look of it, the initial reaction, but also when you look at it, you can tell that wasn't a rat that fell in the batter and got battered up and then tossed in the fryer there's no way that's just a convenient chicken tandy it's like we made a dinosaur chicken tendy but we made it really much closer to looking like a tiny dinosaur this is just a rat tendy we thought when you ordered you wanted rat tendies 
Not that you're in the band called Mouse Rat. So, should have known. Maybe the chicken tenders are a little too much of a big boy meal for you. Maybe you should just stick to the nuggies. <laughs> those come in dinosaur shapes. Are you going to sue them for those too? No, but he will sue for smiley faces and say that they're real human faces in there. Because it's got two eyes and a mouth. Ah, the alternative meat. The liberal agenda has fulfilled itself. We've finally done it. Soylent green tendies. <laughs> oh no, those are nuggies. Soylent green nuggies. <laughs> Get the kids while they're young. That's not the only high profile attempted extortion of these large companies, which honestly maybe sort of deserve it. But ultimately, if anyone got the hurt for them taking a legal hit like that, it would probably be the employees at the bottom who do not deserve it. It usually is. And let's also take a moment and remind ourselves that although these fast food corporations are large conglomerates, many of them are also franchises. Yeah, they are franchise owned, which really means there is an individual that has purchased this franchise from the larger company and is owning that establishment by themselves. They are not supported financially in any way by the name brand that is on the outside of that establishment. It's like Burger King is the HOA and they just live in the McNeighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Star War Trek. You should get that smoothie and your curly fries from your McNeighbor. May the precious be with you. My precious tendies. In another attempted lawsuit, we had a woman from Las Vegas make her way down to a Wendy's in California, where she decided to, as she told the news during the early interviews, just go in and have some chili and eat it the way she usually does. The way she usually does. So, you mean with foreign objects in it? Oh, yeah, if by that you mean saltines. When she was so <laughs> shocked and surprised at what she found in her chili. You mean the saltines that she crumbled onto the top of the chili? Because who does that? What kind of crazy person crushes saltines and or oyster crackers over their chili from Wendy's? You just dip your fries in it. What she did indeed find was a smiley face chicken nugget. Oh, well then that's exactly what you should find. I mean, a piece of human flesh. Oh. In the form of a thumb. Oh, ooh, mm, ew, ew. I would like to ask one question. Did this news article have any mention of maybe the creator of the chili in the back? And the only reason I ask is I just want to make sure, like, on the sign outside, it wasn't Chef... Cartman, when she walked in and ordered the chili. No, there were no men, there were no carts. Ugh, oh, because, you know, those sweet, sweet tears of revenge, they're so salty. For reference, this happened way in the before times of 2010, and this made the news for a while. I think, if anything, because of the lack of information 
I never really knew what was up with the chili lady in the story. I just heard something about somebody finding a thumb in there, and then I paid it no mind, and usually don't have the chili anyway, but I was never offended by it, and I was like, well, you know, it was probably a fluke. Turns out, by the time it got all sorted out, some of the final word going around 2018, it turns out she procured this thumb from, was it a boyfriend? A ne'er-do-well who owed her money and was like, why yes, much like the moment in Four Rooms where the character is required to chop off some fingers, some good phalanges and or digits, she knew someone who was willing to chop off a phalange and sell it to her. <sighs> you dirty human being for purchasing a pre-chopped off finger? It was... A piece of a ring finger, so not a thumb or anything. But she kept quiet about it for... Because it's the ring finger, does it make it better? Or does it make it worse? I don't know, it depends on your superstitions. If I chomp off the pinky, that's smaller, but it's like a solid finger and it's still creepy. But if I do the middle finger, am I just telling them to F you when they start eating it? And I'm like, ha ha! Surprise attack! I just made you eat my middle finger. Now F you in the mouth. I guess now that we've gotten some of the BS out of the way, the finger came to her because her husband had gotten the severed finger from a co-worker who lost it in an industrial accident. So you're saying I need to hang out around industrial construction sites and just kind of wait. Oh, oh, did you just chop that finger up? Hey, if they can't sew it back on... I got $300. Sell that to me. And I think what makes it worse is that she actually went through the effort of cooking the finger to make sure that it matched a little bit closer when she hid it in that chili. Oh, so it wasn't just a straight up super raw rotted finger? Oh, no. She kept it in the freezer until she figured out what her play was going to be. Probably cooked the finger, drove all the way down to California, ordered some chili, stuck that digit in there. Let it warm up. Yep. And... And then ate it. And then literally put it in her mouth. And then acted confused as she asked the people sitting around her, did any of you get anything like this in there? It resulted in, like, this huge investigation where corporate Wendy's made sure to check every employee who worked there. They supply-lined checked. Yes, they did. They also checked with anyone along that, from service counter all the way through the meat producers, if anyone knew anyone who lost a finger. And if I remember the information correctly, there was one person not associated with the company of Wendy's, nor its supply line. Only one person inside the surrounding area that they were searching in. Who had also lost a finger. Who might have actually fit that description, who lost a finger, but it didn't match after they did a DNA test. So, like, they exhausted everything! After they cook it, decay, who knows what happens to that DNA. <laughs> it mutates, and it digivolves. <laughs> it, it digivolved into a very voluptuous, chili-flavored finger. I feel like the dude might have been like, is that even really a finger? Man. The Wendy's in San Jose was the main place to suffer from it, but Wendy's in general 
claims that this cost them an estimated $21 million in business, which really is just, you can't account for that necessarily. But she wound up doing five years in prison, and it seems she, for the moment, has been humiliated enough to not try to scam another fast food place. Yeah, it sounds like from at least the video and some of the article information I was able to get my hands on, this was not the first time for this lady to attempt to scam a business to get money. And this is definitely something that is prominent in certain circles, low-end lawyers or specific people trying to... As they disparagingly call these lawyers ambulance chasers. They are willing to put their name on the line to intentionally try and extort a business for money for violations that this company is trying to adhere to but clearly can't. Corporate businesses such as Wendy's or other large food chain facilities, I still don't agree that you should be trying to steal from them, but that is mostly because a lot of them are, as we stated earlier, franchises. So it's an individual or a small conglomerate that owns it and not the whole corporate institute that is Wendy's. But hey, man... Let's not be shady. Let's not try to disparage people for something that they definitely didn't do. We've hit on a couple of these scams, but I think maybe we should turn the time machine back a few more notches and look at the granddaddy of them all. Long before people who watch Fox News freaked out about the Red Cup, long before any of that happened... Wait, wait, Red Cup? I do not have my fingers on the pulse of the fast food conspiracy theories or fast food corporate chain. To keep that short, a couple of years ago, maybe back in 2019 or so around the holiday season, Starbucks decided that they were no longer going to do Christmas decorated cups for the holiday season, and instead they would just do red and generically holiday. If anything, I think they went incredibly plain. But this is a thing they do every year around the winter season, is they switch from their usual white with green cups to red cups. So they just add red to the cup, and now they're holiday-themed by green and red. People got upset and butthurt. This was thought to be big business again. Continuing their war on Christmas because they got rid of their previously rather festive designs. The company that is not at all isolated to Christian and or Christmas themed country in any way, shape or form is clearly doing something to mitigate the individual costs for their stores in creating a separate product for a small number of them. <laughs> yes, I see. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Clearly, the war on Christmas has begun. Ha ha ha. So, let's ignore that and uh, go back to a specific part of what is on these cups. And that being the wording on them that is printed on it year-round. And that is the warning that contents of this cup are hot. Hot, hot, hot. Wee, wee. Did you know, before 1994, this label did not exist at all? Or at least not in any large capacity like it does today. 
I feel like I did recognize the moment that shifted the labeling to more clearly and directly state the temperature issue of said liquid inside cup. So this happened because in a few years before that, 1992, Stella Liebeck, a 79-year-old woman, was the passenger in her grandson's vehicle as they went to go pick up breakfast at McDonald's. So she had gotten herself a coffee, and because of, we'll say, some poor decisions, wound up trying to add creamer and sweetener to the open cup while she was holding it with her knees. This, of course, resulted in the coffee from the cup just spilling everywhere predominantly her thighs and legs, causing several third-degree burns that required skin grafts, and that wasn't very fun. Ultimately, she decided to take this out on McDonald's through the technicality that McDonald's's coffee makers seem to have an average heat rating of 150, where it seemed that McDonald's seemed to usually have their coffee at 180 degrees, which is a very heavy temperature. The average standard for coffee seems to sit somewhere between 120 and 140 degrees, so they did keep it overly hot. Yeah, that temperature just sounds really intense when you think about the fact that the boiling point is 200 degrees Fahrenheit. They're just shy of the boiling point of that 180, 190 temperature range. And sadly, this came with an expansion to the lawsuit, as it seems over 700 people have also reported getting burned with McDonald's coffee. And that resulted in her winning the court case in 1994, granting her damages of $160,000. Originally, it was 200000 but as common sense would dictate, the judge did knock her 20% from that because the ensuing injury was deemed to be her own fault. But again, like I said, the technicality seemed to stem from, while this coffee would not have caused third-degree burns if it had been at a safer temperature, which is something that I had never thought about when I heard about the mythical why coffees have contents maybe hot labels. Yeah, I definitely will say... From my memory, and maybe this is a bit of the Mandela effect coming into play here, but I remember there being a lot of disparaging information towards the lady that got burned in comparison. The details were not there. It was this whole hullabaloo about her faking it or intentionally doing it kind of thing to like steal the impact away from the actual court settlement. Sometimes the internet and social media and the regular media can unintentionally skew things and shill a specific side of the argument whether or not they recognize that's happening. And it makes public opinion go against those that are actually intentionally injured for things that are outside of their control, such as this woman getting an overall media does tend to sort of make that line hazy. Like you were saying, that the number kind of flew around in several directions. It turns out when the media got a hold of it, the jury was inclined to 
decide that she should be awarded closer to $2.7 million, which is equivalent to two days of McDonald's coffee sales. I feel like that's appropriate punishment. I know that the individual franchise, since we've mentioned this concept, might not have been able to afford that. But I also feel like... Oh no, that place would be a parking lot by now. I do feel like this specific lawsuit was trying to punish the corporate level because, as you noted, there are several other accounts of other McDonald's also serving their coffee at a much higher temperature than is the standardized temperature for serving said coffee. Between the damages she was seeking and the additional $2.7 million that the court wanted to award her, the judge did talk it down. The final figure was $640,000, which is still a fair bit amount of money, but it seems everyone held on to that $2.9 million, which is an exuberant amount. That is a lot of money. I still think it's a, an appropriate punishment to force a corporate structure to fix the issue. And they did, but I guess I don't know whether they started adding training that involved watching or monitoring the temperature of their coffee, but it did start the wave of the little cardboard sleeves that go on coffee cups, aside from that labeling. So I need a high school degree to function the coffee maker because the instruction manual's, what, 150 pages long? So do I need two separate degrees here? Do I need a degree to run the coffee machine and then a secondary degree for the 140-page ice cream instruction manual on top of it? You see, I couldn't move past dipping into McDonald's so many times without hitting this big one. And yes, that is the current meme of how anytime you go to McDonald's, the ice cream machine is broken. Yeah, you might need a degree for it. Well, when you've got sludge in the ice cream machine, I can see why it takes you a very long amount of time to fix and or maintenance it. So this kind of goes to a particular conspiracy theory where people seem to believe that maybe their employees are just poorly trained and they don't know and don't care. But from the infotainment I consumed and just a little bit of checking here and there just to see if there was any opposing information, the consensus is pretty interesting. It seems that the bit of info that I shared with you kind of brushes all that aside. And like you were saying, it kind of requires a, a certified individual to figure out what's wrong with these machines. What happens is these ice cream machines are from a company that has been partners with McDonald's for decades, and they are the exclusive makers of McDonald's ice cream machines. Because of this card contract they have with them, they have a service agreement, which they say will show up, but it's going to cost you. Now, I do have a quick question, though. Yes? Because you say that this company that provides said machine to McDonald's, but do they sell products to any other fast food chains? A different variation on the same ice cream making machine? Oh, yeah. Just about any fast food place that we've talked about lately. Burger King, Wendy's. I'm pretty sure I've seen one at a Jason's Deli. So, only the McDonald's machines have an issue. 
because they only have this level of agreement with McDonald's. Uh, do continue. All of these other restaurants are allowed to get their ice cream machines from anyone they want. Some of them come from this company. Some of them come from others. McDonald's, though. They were tied down. As you were saying, franchises. You go up to Ronald McDonald and you bow low. You present to him a chest full of money and say, may I please have a McDonald's, sir? Thank you. And then the hamburger comes and takes your money and also steals your burgers. Yes. Great business transaction. And in exchange... Just like any feudal establishment. You're allowed to be the boss of your own McDonald's. Of course, you have to abide by any and all rules. Usually, the little things that kind of make these sort of fast food establishments recognizable and comfortable for people who are picky about their food. Every location for like 95% of their menu is the exact same thing. So you can go to any of these locations and if you have a favorite thing, there's a pretty good chance that you can get it anywhere across the country. That's the agreement. Perfect. I really do like my burgers being smushed and looking nothing <laughs> like the image that is on the menu when I'm ordering. McDonald's nails it. Back to that ice cream thing. While they are allowed some leniency in brands that they can use for their grills and other equipment, ice cream machines didn't have this sway. You went for this company, this company only, and you had to have an ice cream machine. You can opt not to have an ice cream machine. That's part of the rule. So now that you're the manufacturer of this particular ice cream machine, you basically have no incentive to give them anything better. And not only that, because you have a fancy little repair service that charges buku bucks to read the code and figure out that all that happened was that they overfilled the ice cream hopper at the top, and that's why it was failing its maintenance cleaning check. Well, now you constantly get machines that will give out an error code, and as part of their design, gives a cryptic error code that you can never figure out unless you've had access to these manuals or have had training with the manufacturer of this ice cream machine. I feel like all Maytag maintenance men are missing a great business opportunity by creating a low-cost maintenance program through the McDonald's ice cream machine. Yep, that seems to be the gist of it is it's just been a long-running scam. A company has tried in the past to market and sell at the fast food trade shows a device you can attach to one of the data ports in the machine that will translate those codes to something tangible that your average employee can figure out. Of course, McDonald's silently, while the individual franchisees were like, yeah, this is a good idea, it started catching on. And then McDonald's just silently sent out a memo over the night saying, don't use these, they will ruin your machine. We have no way to prove that. They will cost us our contract with this shady business practice. And we don't like it because we're already making buku dollars. Which, for any of you listeners who want to follow up with this, the company's name is Taylor. By all means, have yourself read. All of these topics, we kind of did a fast pass fun ride of them, but they go really in depth. Especially this ice cream machine business, it's a deep rabbit hole. To sum it up, because the franchisees are the ones who have to pay for this repair cost, not McDonald's corporate, it's like McDonald's found a contract agreement where they get cheaper equipment with this company they're partnered with. 
this company gets business, not just from selling the machine, but also from their repair service. And what this does is it starves the individual franchise locations because now are they not only making whatever little amount of money that they still have to give their pound of flesh from McDonald's corporate, but they also have to take more out of their individual location profits and give that to Taylor for every time that machine breaks down. It makes it seem way more effective for that business to either not have that machine or just never get it repaired. Because if it's not working, I don't have to pay for it. And if I don't repair it, I don't have to lose the cost of repair. Listeners, if you're ever going down the street after having recommended banter banter to a friend or anyone who might be interested in it, after you hit up a good rating because you're an awesome person, and even if you hate our podcast, you'll still at least give it that little bit of traction with your like or dislike, and you get to McDonald's with a hankering for some soft serve, and they tell you the machine is down, maybe don't get mad at the employee. Maybe it's not their fault. And you know what? Just be like, fine. I guess I don't need anything tonight. Go to Burger King, Wendy's. They get the better forms of the machines. But don't take it out on the local end. They're not always at fault. Don't blame the Hamburglar. He only steals hamburgers. So my question to you guys out in the audience tonight is... What other fast food related stories caught your attention? And you don't have to look it up if you don't want to, but if you tell us, were there some details you may have missed? Or is it something you don't really think about too deep and wonder, huh, I wonder if there's more to this? Kind of like these stories. My question for you this evening is, what is a product that you remember from your childhood that seemed like it was built to last. So, listeners, as always, get your shots. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Please, avoid and don't be on fire. And also, don't buy a Taylor ice cream machine. Come chat with us about the episode by reaching out to us on any of our socials. You can find us on Facebook at banter bantercast or on twitter at banter underscore cast you could find manny at brogar c-r-e you could find aaron at 8-bit wizard the 8 is roman numerical you can find me on twitter at mike8time the number 8 the podcast cover art is brought to us by at easy louisey based off of original artwork by bobbin underscore goblins also on twitter the opening and closing are from the most mysterious song on the internet help us figure out the mystery of who this belongs to